Health and well-being on a Tuesday afternoon with Peter Mullen. Peter, today conquering the flu. Before we get there, though, you've you, you've got a little bit of uh, personal housekeeping you need to clean up today. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good way to put it. Well, it is. It is. So you've had someone contact you uh, about a dietary matter. Yes. Yeah, so, so a friend of mine, John from Mulbring, um, had a question about what's the best diet for someone suffering from osteoarthritis, particularly in the foot. So it's, very address, it's a very specific. I thought, yeah. I thought we would address, and I might have got the story wrong for the with the specificities, but, mm-hmm. but um, that's the general guess. So it's really interesting, actually, like arthritis, and I don't think we've done a segment on osteoarthritis, which is a bit remiss on my part because it is such a a popular condition as opposed to common. Mm. So um, and it arthritis generally um is what's really interesting is that there's a 2.5 greater times risk of developing osteoarthritis from the 1940s. So I thought that was really interesting. And this is after even controlling differences for age and weight. Because I would have said, you know, the reason why we're two two and a half times more likely to develop osteoarthritis now Mm. would be because of things like weight and like carrying too much weight and living longer. But, but But these numbers are factoring all of that in. They're factoring okay. all of that in. So one factor that may be related to the is is to our growing sedentary lifestyle, the fact that we actually sit down too much. Isn't that interesting? So you think, well, why would sitting down cause you to maybe get arthritis more? But sitting down, lack of movement, lack of, lack of fitness, leads to joint um, space instability. So when we're not exercising, when we're not moving, our joints become more unstable. We're going to cause more damage to them when we do move. So isn't and that fascinating? It certainly is. Now, John wanted uh, some dietary advice in and around that. <laughs> well, I'm getting to that. That's, mm. the, that's the exciting thing. So um, one of the best things to help try and prevent arthritis, and even if you have arthritis, and I know this is a difficult thing for a lot of people, but you've got to exercise. You've got to see a... a a personal trainer, an exercise physiologist or physio that specializes in exercise for osteoarthritis and you have to include exercise. And this is whether you're looking at getting joint replacements down the track, you've got to get fitter before you go into it. But exercise is really the bomb. And from a dietary point of view, there's been some research around um, including omega-3 fats in your diet. Now, in our Western diet, so we, we get into the dietary stuff and then we'll get on to today's topic. But gotcha. The ideal dietary approach for anyone with arthritis is a Mediterranean style of diet. You know, this diet's been shown to um, reduce inflammatory markers, um, reduce inflammation, reduce the risk of diabetes, reduce the risk of a lot of chronic degenerative conditions. And the Mediterranean diet does encourage eating more fish. So um, people that have diets that are high in the omega-3 fats, which are your fish, fishy, fishy foods, fishy meals, um, will tend to have less problems with osteoarthritis, less severe, and their recovery might be better if, you know, on starting to take fish oil supplements. Gotcha. So a Mediterranean-style diet, Mediterranean-style diet we've talked about before, mm. is a, a diet, a highest plant-based diet as possible with really good quality fats, um, fish, chicken, less red meat, less saturated fats, um, avoiding sugar, and processed foods as much as possible. They tend to promote inflammation, minimizing alcohol, uh, keeping caffeine down because caffeine does pull calcium and magnesium out of your body. So, yeah, Mediterranean-style, low-inflammatory diet and exercise and fish oil. 
Absolutely. Thank you, John, <clears throat> for all of that. Okay, so conquering the flu, Peter. Now, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, because everybody, whenever we've got some cold and flu symptoms at the moment, first thought is probably going to be, uh, have I got COVID-19? So obviously the advice there, get yourself tested and make sure we can sort of separate the, you know, the get that church and state separation on this. Yeah, look, absolutely. And we sort of forget, like, we've sort of been, and rightly so, the media's been full of information about the coronavirus, and we forget that we've also got our normal run of cold and flu and viruses that tend to be a bit worse in winter because of, you know, cold stress, less outdoors, diet changes, etc. And one thing that um, I've always known, <coughs> excuse me, noticed over the years is that if someone comes in to see me and tells me that they never get sick, they haven't had a cold or flu for five years, that actually, from my experience, is a bit concerning to me because it's not. It shouldn't be worn as a badge of honour. It should be more of a concern. Be, yeah, look, I think I think so. Like, um, I've seen a lot of people that are then diagnosed as having autoimmune conditions because one part of their immune system that deals with autoimmune turned on too much might be stopping them from getting the cold or flu. So it can be a sign that there's something else going. Hey, why? Could also be like a like a piece of machinery, a, a use it or lose it kind of thing. Because if you if if we're getting the odd colds and flu every couple of years, that part of our body that goes to assist in flushing all of that out gets the use. But if it's not, it's not. Am I on the right track there or not? Yeah, really? look, absolutely. And I think that's what's tricky with this coronavirus because because our immune system is really quite remarkable. What our immune system does every day is unbelievable. If we had to be in charge of everything our immune system had to do, we'd be in all sorts of strife. But yet we are, in a way. We we aren't consciously in charge. So, um, you know, what I would normally say is that, you know, getting a cold or flu every couple of years, maybe a cold at least, does help to just sort of refresh your immune system, clean out the pipes, um, gives your immune system a bit of a a shake-up or a shuffle-up. Um, and again, obviously, we're not talking about the coronavirus because the potential there for a lot of people that have poor health is that they're going to be very, very sick with that. But for general cold and flu, I'm not scared if someone comes in and says, you know, they've got a cold or flu because I know we can do lots to help the immune system get on top of it. Now, Peter, as we sort of open up this topic today, what is it exactly that makes us feel terrible? Because I believe you're going to let me know that it's not actually the virus itself that makes us feel all icky and yucky, is it? It's it's us. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like with a, and again, we're talking today about the normal cold and flu, mm-hmm. and that is um, that you know often when we have the flu virus, <clears throat> pardon me, or a cold, it's not the virus that actually makes us feel unwell. It's our immune system's response. It's the chemicals that our immune system releases to fight the virus that makes us feel depressed, makes us feel like we've got to go to bed, you know, don't feed the kids or the dogs. You know, like um, if so, you know, and that's where we say, you know, if I, if I had a gun, shoot me. Like you really feel terrible when you're fighting a virus like that. But the idea is that all those chemicals your immune system's producing to kill the virus also causes inflammation in the body. So it literally puts you to bed. And I guess it's twofold. It makes you stop and rest, which is what we need to do when we have any sort of infection. Um, but also while our immune system can do the work that it's you know, hopefully able to do. So, so a lot of times when we talk about um, whether it's medications or whether, whatever the treatment happens to be, we, we tend to be fighting against those symptoms. Is your thought process here that instead of fighting them, we, you know, the actual or combating the symptoms, we should be just coming a ways to work through them? Yeah, look, absolutely. Like, you know, we, our immune system is pretty amazing, and we've we've 
you know, anything we can do to help it boost our natural immunity is going mm. to be beneficial, whatever we come in contact with. But things like, you know, temperature. You know, in the past, we've been told that with a normal cold and flu, that if you've got a temperature, you want to take Panadol or you want to take something to bring the temperature down. And I'm talking about adults here, not children that are at risk of febrile convulsions. But for most adults, if you've got a fever, the best thing you can do is go to bed, pull the covers up and try and, you know, do what we'd say in the old days was sweat it out of you that temperatures might be your body's way of trying to kill the virus as well. So you don't want to suppress the temperature unnecessarily, except, you know, as I said, in, in children. Um, but then you've got things like, you know, mucus as well. Like one of the reasons we produce mucus, say if you get a cold or virus and some of that virus gets onto your lungs, mucus can't run onto your lungs. You know, when people cough, they think they've, the mucus is all running down there. What's happened is the virus has gotten into your lungs and that's triggered your lungs to produce mucus because the mucus is produced by white blood cells in the mucous membrane reacting or trying to fight the virus. And the mucus is how the white blood cells get from the mucous membranes out to where the virus or bacteria is so the immune system can attack the infection. Does that make sense? No, so it does. Yeah. The more mucus you can produce, the better your immune system's working so what do we do with this one because i guess it is is part of the the fighting your bodies are doing against yeah you know the cold or flu virus Uh, but our natural response is uh, i've mucus yuck i want to i want to get rid of it so should we just be living with that well particularly if it's colored Mm. mucus as well because if it's colored mucus what that means is that your white blood cells are fighting some of the bacteria and they're both dying and that's creating the pus or the color so when you see coloured mucus, when you're coughing up or blowing out coloured mucus, it actually means that your immune system is effectively fighting the infection. So you're saying we want to sort of promote, promote the production the of that. Yeah. Um, hydration becomes a part of the picture there? Hydration, um, inhalations, um, just even things like when you have a shower in the morning, um, you know, steam it up well before you get in there. Chuck a bit of Vicks on the floor so you get that bit of vaporised Vicks or Olbass oil or um, eucalyptus. I would suggest maybe do. not the floor because we don't want to make the surface slippery. <clears throat> That's exactly right. Take that back. Maybe just rub it in your hands and hold that under the hot water. Or you can do the old-fashioned inhalation where you put the you know, towel over your head. But you want to open up your airways and get the mucus coming away because that's how we resolve um, a respiratory infection. I actually did that oh, was it a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. I had something. And um, that actually was a great hot. We did, did went old school. Did the the big, um, you know, big container of steaming hot water. Did the towel over the head. Yeah, and actually yeah. didn't feel too bad after it. Actually, was okay. I well, you, say. you do, and, and even, even that's why, like you know, when you get up in the morning, um, having a shower and steaming the shower room up and letting, like you know, massaging around your sinuses if you've mm-hmm. got a sinus infection, or you know, often when you get up in the morning, things start to shift and you can cough and hawk it up a fair bit. Mm. Disgusting as that sounds. We won't do any demos on the radio. No. And, and just very quickly, um, you mentioned a, a humidifier and peppermint oil. Why for both? Oh, well, humidifier, just for some people, again, unless you've got damp problems, humidifier is good because they're like a little steam thing that you've got those oils in. So you're breathing those oils in while you sleep. So humidifiers are good for kids that have, um, you know, coughs, coughs of the night time <laughs> if they're fighting an infection. And um, peppermint oil is just a nice, easy, natural decongestant as well but there's lots you can just put a bit of vix in it you can um, use old bass oil i used to love i don't know that we can get it in australia anymore it was a combination of peppermint and a few other oils 
um, breathe easy. There's lots of companies doing a lot of the oil essential oil companies have a, a decongestant sort of mix, and you can put them even in your um, electric powered oil diff- like water and oil diffusers as well. So, Peter, as we get into the final section today, we'll head back to where it all begins. What actually promotes a cold and flu response generally? in our bodies how do we get them and what or more importantly why do we get them well the tricky thing about colds and flu viruses is they've been down around since the year dot they're, they're they're always going to be around and um you know in some respects like if you ask most people if they've got a cold or the flu we're talking about today um why do they think they got sick and most people will say oh it's because i've been run down i haven't been sleeping well lately mm. Like, they're the things that, you know, or it's the cold weather. I got wet the other day and had to stay in wet clothes. Like, anything that causes your immune system to be compromised. Late nights, went through a really stressful period. So I think most people will say that, you know, if if they do come down with a cold or flu, usually, or they catch a cold or flu, usually it's because they're run down in the first place because these these viruses are around us all the time but we can come in contact with them and not get sick because our immune system recognizes them and deals with them so that in itself has always interested me because like you said they're always around so i mean it's not like they turn up if i'm understanding you right in the main it's not like the common cold virus just turns up oh hello i'm back for the winter season and uh, no, september I think they do. look they do they do the cold the flu virus particularly travels around the world mm. and it changes you know from changes as it go that's why it's always been difficult to come up with a flu vaccine that was yes but what you're saying is in the main it's always around though yes uh, no no I, I i don't know i don't know i think the, okay. the flu virus definitely seems to fizzle out over the warmer mm. weather okay. doesn't it like in colds but we do get like the you know more people the last couple of years have got the flu or colds in september you know, with the change of season. So, yeah, it is interesting. So the viruses do change. But I think winter, the reason why we have more cold and flu viruses around is because we are more indoors where our diet changes, where, you know, our body's a bit of a lower ebb mm-hmm. as well. So, um, but, yeah, most people, if you ask them why they think they got sick, it's usually because they were run down or stressed or not well. So in the first place. So once we're there, um, we, we've got the cold and flu. Um, what are some of the things that you, you feel we should be taking a look at or to take? Well, look, one, one, one nutrient that's getting a lot of press um, and there's been some uh, links to, um, um, or like to ways to keep your immune system better is vitamin D. You know, vitamin D, every cell in our body has a vitamin D receptor. So making sure our vitamin D levels are good is one way to really try and have have a better immune system, and of course in winter we have less vitamin D. But yeah, clearly look outside; there's no sunlight out there. <laughs> but um, a lot of my patients, I've got patients that come in that spend a lot of time outdoors, and they're low in vitamin D as well. So if you're suspicious, like everybody, when they get an annual blood test, they should get their D checked. So how can that be if they're outside all the time? Isn't that where the sun is? Well, you've got to get a certain amount of sun exposure, like full torso, front and back, like. Just going out to hang the washing on the lines is not going to give you enough sun to, to make enough vitamin D. Gotcha. So, yeah, so vitamin D. Um, my favourite um, nutrient of all times is vitamin C. And um, we get vitamin C from our fresh fruit particularly. So you imagine most of us don't eat as much fruit. The fruit might not be always in season 
over the winter months, so our vitamin C input's going to go down. And vitamin C really does help our white blood cells just to be a lot more alert and proactive. And then my two favorite herbs, echinacea, for just um, keeping your immune system more vigilant. And also, if you do get a cold or flu, andrographis is the bomb. That's I sort of refer to that as my herbal antibiotic. So I wasn't going to have a crack at saying that, by the way. It's yours or <laughs> yours. But um, andrographis, is, it's a, traditionally it's a bitter herb, actually. It stimulates all the bitter receptors in your gut, in your digestive system. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a really good immune-fighting immune, um, um, or immune-boosting herb is what we use it for. So if someone's got an infection, that's definitely what I would recommend. But um, I love um, zinc as well. So I, I prescribe a lot of vitamin C and zinc in a powder form through winter as well with maybe echinacea as a preventative and then andrographis if you get sick but definitely getting vitamin D levels tested for just for immune um, health is I think really indicated. Alright, lots to keep in mind there. As always, Peter thank you for coming in and attempting to help us conquer the flu today. Thank you Mark, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.